You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Well, coming up, we're going to break down this Eagles-Lions game coming up on Sunday afternoon with Jeremy Reisman. He's the editor-in-chief of the Pride of Detroit. He's going to talk to me about uh, his winless Lions Feeling pretty good about a matchup against the two and five birds this Sunday afternoon in the Motor City. And I will break down all the key matchups coming up for you here in just a few minutes. And I'll give you my prediction as well here towards the end of the podcast. Just want to remind you all to leave a five star rating and a review for Eye on the Enemy here on the Apple podcast feed. I uh, would love it if you did that and tell your friends about Eye on the Enemy and every other podcast we have going on here at Bleeding Green Nation. And joining me to break down what's going to go down on Sunday afternoon between the birds and the Lions is, I mean, hang on, before let me stopping. Jeremy Reisman or Reisman? Reisman. Reisman. Okay. Sorry. Let's do that again. Three, two, one. And joining me to help break down what's going to go down between the Eagles and Lions this Sunday afternoon is Jeremy Reisman. He's the editor-in-chief for Pride of Detroit, the Lions SB Nation site. He's also the host of the First Bite podcast. You follow him on Twitter at Detroit on Lion. Hey, Jeremy, welcome to Eye on the Enemy. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, John. Absolutely. And we're just returning the favor because I know you uh, hosted BLG this week uh, yep. on, on, on your podcast. And I, I, one of the interesting things you guys were talking about, and I, I want to dip into the X's and O's and some of the matchups here in just a second, but the, the Lions come into this game 0-7. They haven't picked up their first win of the season, and yet there is a definite difference in the mentality and the mindset of where the different fan bases are right now. Eagles fans like myself are down. Like, we are down on this team. I, I look at my, my co- the coaching staff of this football team and I look at some of the talent at the key positions and I'm just not seeing it I, I think the coaching staff's in over their heads I, I think the the quarterback is probably not the franchise guy so I'm I'm in a world of hurt right now as an Eagles fan and yet we're two and five and I feel like Lions fans might be the most optimistic and feel-good group of 0-7 football fans I've ever seen in my life so if you could switch places like I'm talking like swap the whole this is the question USBLG if you could switch places with the Philadelphia Eagles right now would you do it? Man, it, it, it's, it's a really good question, and it, it's interesting because there are so many factors at play here because, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, I don't think these fan bases could be further apart in terms of confidence in the future. And In fact, we, we hold those polls weekly at, at SB Nation, and 89% of Lions fans, despite being 0-7, are, are positive, are, are, are confident in, in the direction of the team, whereas I think the, the Eagles are somewhere in the single digits. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's interesting because – I think the reason for optimism and the reason for pessimism on the Eagles side are both the same and it's coaching because I think Lions fans feel very good about their coaching staff. And I think they should. Mm -hmm. I think Dan Campbell's an energetic guy that'll get the most out of the players. And I think their coordinators are are, are smart guys that that bring the X's and O's and also kind of have that former player vibe that, that, that really connects with the players. 
Whereas, you know, I, I'm sure I don't have to tell you all the, the bad things that, that are going on with the Eagles <laughs> coaching staff. Yeah. So I think that's where the, you know, the optimism and pessimism side. But to me, that's not the full equation here because there's general manager, there's ownership, there's all, all sorts of things. And I know Eagles fans have plenty of issues with, with their general manager too, but I just like part of me is like if I could get out of this franchise and just like snap my fingers and somehow be a fan of another franchise, especially one that's won a Super Bowl in the past sixty years, let alone the past <laughs> ten or five or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I think I'd probably do it. So it's tough. Like I I mean, I would never trade my Lions fandom. I don't I don't think I really could. Sure. But at the same time, like, yeah, I, I think I might still do this despite the fact that yeah, I I think in terms of you know, I, I don't even know if the Eagles considered themselves in a rebuild, but they probably are. And oh, I, yeah. I would I would assume that the Lions are probably in a better spot for that rebuild. But if we're talking the long-term game here, I think my odds are better if I'm an Eagles fan. Yeah, and that, that's where I am too. Short-term right now, I think the Lions might have a little bit more momentum, positive momentum going. But I also do think that there is a real possibility that this Eagles coaching staff could be a one-and-done coaching staff if, if things continue mm-hmm. like this. And uh, I, and I, I would imagine, and I, most Eagles fans definitely agree that Howie Roseman should not be the general manager of this team moving forward. They, they need a, they need to wipe the slate clean and take it down to the studs and, and get themselves a, a structure in place that's not dysfunctional. And, and anytime you're a fan of a team that's dysfunctional, it feels a lot worse than maybe the results on the field actually are, or maybe it actually is. And we, we, as a Detroit Lions fan, like you just mentioned, Dan Campbell, everybody everybody loves this guy. Uh, reminds me of a, a, a beefier Dick Vermeil. You know what I mean? Just a guy yeah. who's emotional, a guy who really cares about his players but the the players really buy into it and um, Deuce Staley is a guy that I think most Eagles fans wish had gotten the head coaching job this past offseason and now of course in Detroit working some magic with uh, the running backs you have there a very good running back uh, duo and DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams and so um, I I think there's a little bit of envy on the on on Eagles fans part but overall I I definitely I would rather be an Eagles fan uh, than a Detroit Lions fan I wouldn't switch places because I feel like the track record, like you mentioned, is such that I feel more reasonably confident the Eagles can go on a a, a, a long run of success more so than, than the Lions could. But um, that's really neither here nor there for, for this Sunday afternoon because uh, you've got two struggling football teams uh, coming into this game. And uh, I, I I think that with the as far as the Lions are concerned, this is a this is a, a good opportunity for them to to get a, get a win on the board. And, and let's just talk about some of the matchups that we've got going on here. Um, I think first of all we've got to talk about Jared Goff a little bit because the Lions obviously swung a big trade this offseason, sending Matthew Stafford um, away to uh, to Los Angeles and and bringing back Jared Goff. And Goff has had some good years. He took the Rams to the Super Bowl a few seasons ago and played very well that season, I thought, and has struggled mightily since then. Um, he's going to be going up against an Eagles defense that has has also really struggled this year. Jonathan Gannon's defense called the most vanilla defense in the NFL, and if you watch the tape, that's it's absolutely true. Is Jonathan Gannon's defense going to be an elixir for Jared Goff this week, or is Jared Goff <laughs> going to struggle against a, a defense that has also helped some other bad quarterbacks to struggle? Yeah, I mean, it. Being a Lions fan, you, you kind of sick get sick of being the the get right game for every team. So I, I look <laughs> at all the Eagles fans just frustrated with their defensive coordinator right now, and I'm like, well, this this is it. They're they're lining him up to be for another you know get right game. I mean, the Lions haven't scored more than 20 points uh, since week one, and in that week one game, they had 17 points at, at the two minute warning. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're they're struggling a lot. Uh, the the wide receiving core is is as depleted as as it could possibly be, mm-hmm. and and Jared Goff just doesn't have the trust that that other quarterbacks do with their receiving core. So he's and and this was some of the issues he was having at, at Los Angeles too towards the end, which is just checking down, checking down, being overly safe, not taking a lot of risk, and then you know the thing that the lines are really struggling with and it's not gaining yards it's not you know going three and out too much it's they're they're doing these long sustained drives that that eat up a bunch of clock and part of that is by design because their defense struggles as well yeah but when they do that their their margin for error is so small that a holding penalty a turnover mm-hmm. will just completely kind of throw away the game plan and like and, and it just takes one or two of those and everything's you know off uh, off schedule there so it's it's an offense that that just doesn't have a lot of margin for error, and unfortunately, they've got a bunch of mistake prone guys out there, and in receivers that aren't running the right routes, and, and a quarterback that just doesn't seem to have confidence in himself right now, and and you know a young offensive line as well. So, it's it's just the, the some of the pieces aren't working together right now, and and I look at a team like the Eagles defense that has talented defenders. There there's some good guys on that defense. And it seems like coaching is holding them back, but I, I feel like in the end, talent typically wins out. And so I, I feel like, yeah, this is probably going to be a get-right game for the Eagles. But the, the the one thing that I think works in their favor is that the middle of the field is where the Eagles seem to be the uh, most vulnerable, right? You know, yeah. the linebacking core is not so good. And the Lions have two pretty good weapons that, that can attack the middle of the field in, in TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. So if there's something that, that works in the Lions' favor in this matchup in particular, I think it's that. And and that's kind of what the Lions like to do, right? Um, so yeah. if you know, we we've seen some teams, and I don't I don't know if this team will, will do it with Darius Slay, put their best corner up on T.J. Hawkinson, and it's kind of worked. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't Slay's Slay. I mean, he, in the past, he's definitely been a guy that that follows around the best offensive player, but he doesn't have a ton of experience. At least he didn't in Detroit following a tight end. So I'm not sure if that's something they they'd consider. Yeah, the, he hasn't done that much here with the Eagles, but given you know, given the wide receiver situation with Detroit, I mean, uh, Khalif Raymond, uh, Amon Ray St. Brown, Quintez Cephas. I mean, there's just those are not household names. The the numbers aren't great. Uh, they're the, they, you can probably get away with putting Slay on Hawkinson and and making that work if 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 Slay is comfortable playing in the middle of the field like that. And you know, I don't I don't know that he's going to be uh, open to doing that. But like you, as you described the Detroit Lions offense, I'm t- I'm t- telling you Jeremy you could have used those exact words to describe <laughs> Nick Sirianni's offense yeah. with, with Jalen Hurts. I mean everything you you've seen the tape everything's an RPO. Everything's a screen. Right. Every once in a while they do push the ball down the field. They they try to get those splash plays once in a while, but it's like watching a it's like a watching a dolphin jump out of the water in the ocean. Like he's <laughs> underwater the whole time and then all of a sudden, "Whoa, there he goes," you know? And <laughs> sometimes Jalen Hurts makes the connection more often than not he doesn't. I think the Phillies I think Phillies. I think the Eagles have some some bigger play wide receivers on the outside who yeah. who can do some damage. I want to talk about that matchup in, in just a second. But I'm just, I was just struck as you were talking about <laughs> how how the lines go about. Uh, it, it this could be an ugly game on on Sunday afternoon watching these offenses quote unquote work because um, I, you're right. The middle of the field is going to be an issue. The, the Eagles linebacking core is without a doubt, one of the worst in the NFL. And it's not surprising because the Eagles have neglected that position during Jim Schwartz's tenure. He, he never felt the need to, to have to invest in that given the kind of defense that he played. But um, 
given all of that, you, you did mention a young Detroit Lions offensive line. One of the strengths of the Eagles defense is is the tackle are the tackles in the middle. Javon Hargrave is having an all pro type season. Yeah. And Fletcher Cox is in there and, and I thought Fletcher Cox's comments this week about how he's frustrated not being able to play aggressively. That was really eye opening because we we've seen that from from this defense. What kind of a what kind of a matchup is is that on the offensive line uh, with what you guys have versus an Eagles D line that has has the ability to to wreak some havoc in the middle, but the edges are really they've they've struggled this year. Yeah, it, it's an interesting matchup because obviously you know the lines are, are missing their their two best offensive linemen in Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow, their center uh, mm-hmm. who who made the Pro Bowl last year, but they've kind of been hanging in there. Um, Jonah Jackson at left guard. Um, has really been playing pretty well in, in his second year. And, you know, last year, last week, I should say, uh, they I don't want to say they handled Aaron Donald because you can't really handle Aaron Donald. And he also right. was responsible for pretty much the game-winning play at the at the very end of the game. But he was kind of a non-factor for, for most of that game. And, and it was mostly him and Evan Brown, the backup center, dealing with him uh, the entire game. And so they, I, I have a little bit of hope there, but... You know, you look at Halapuli Vati Vaitai is the starting right guy to guard yep. someone that you guys are, are obviously well familiar with, and yes, indeed. more of a run blocker. Um, so I, I think there's there's a potential mismatch there if, if Fletcher Cox is is you know lined up over him in terms of pass blocking, in terms of rushing the passer there. I think that's that's a good matchup in, in the Eagles' favor. But on the other side, like I, I think I know Hargraves having a heck of a year, and he's a guy that that the lines are, are definitely going to account for, but I think that left side of the lines offensive line is probably their strength. And so um, it's going to be a great battle there. I think, I think it's, it's an even match over there. Um, but, but yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lapse in judgments there, you know, um, obviously Panay Sewell is all, also there on the left side and, you know, he went to head to head with Aaron Donald. I'm, I'm sure some of you guys saw the the short video of them kind of grabbing each other's face mask and yeah. Sewell not backing down. And um, you, you love to see that. And he's kind of playing his best football right now, but he's had some ups and downs. So, um, there could be an, another downswing coming, but you know, overall, I, I think the offensive line is is generally a, a a position of strength for the Lions, even even though they're missing their two best guys right now. So, I mean, I just want to double back on on Goff for for one more second. What is the what is his future there in Detroit? I mean, I obviously don't think that they think, or I'm sure you don't think that he's the franchise guy moving forward. He's just kind of the the right now guy, correct? I mean, it's they're going to have they Detroit if if they the season keeps going like this, will have a a top pick in the draft. They might pick one overall and I know the quarterback select the selections this year are are not that enticing, and as a team that is probably going to be looking for a quarterback too, I know Eagles fans are looking at the at the at the draft and not seeing a whole lot there. Is there a is there a sense for what what the Lions are going to be doing with the quarterback situation here over the next uh, couple of years, or is it going to be Goff? It's it's a complicated situation because the guy that was partially responsible for drafting Jared Goff is now the Lions general manager and that's Brad mm-hmm. Holmes. He was the, mm-hmm. the director of college scouting when they, when they drafted Goff and, and you know, one of the guys that, that gave the green light for the Rams to draft him. And so they, they were excited to get Jared Goff and, and, you know, obviously that, that could be just, you know, lip service, but it seems like they were really big fans of him. And obviously that's tied down at least a little bit. Um, you know, Dan Campbell got a lot of criticism for, um, being very, very mild in his criticism of Jared Goff a couple of weeks ago. Um, but but I guess people say you, you're not supposed to criticize him publicly at all. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the results have been bad. Fans are, are all the way off the Jared Goff bandwagon, but I'm not entirely sure that the coaching staff is yet. Um, and, and part of the reason is just 
I mean, it's hard to blame him when, when I mean, you listed the, the wide receivers there, and, and even even one of the guys you listed is injured. So yeah, um, right. It, it it's tough. Like he's he was put in to by far the worst position for him to succeed with with no wide receivers, no defense. So you know the whole team's on his shoulders, and Matthew Stafford could handle that. Like Matthew Stafford mm-hmm. could get this team to mm-hmm. five hundred with the entire team on his shoulders. Jared Goff just isn't that guy, yeah. and so it, it's a bad situation. I'm I'm of the idea that this this guy is kind of broken beyond repair. If it was up to me, the guy seems mentally just not confident enough to to be an NFL quarterback right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions give him at least one more season to to test it out. And part of the reason is they're they're kind of going to have to with his contract too. They they restructured yeah, it right. this off season, mm-hmm. so um you know it's it's a thirty some cap hit if 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 they cut him next year. Um, and I, I think the Lions wanted to get away from all that dead cap. They wanted to get all that out this year, and so. Yeah. Kicking more dead cap in, into their their future situation doesn't seem like something that they're willing to do, and that's not necessarily going to prevent them from drafting a guy. I think I think keeping Jared Goff for a year while a, a rookie kind of learns under him, and maybe you get that rookie in towards the end of the year. I think that's kind of an ideal scenario. But like you said, the the draft is not looking like a great uh, bucket of of quarterbacks at this point. But right. still, a lot of time before the season ends. So. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't really give a, a certified answer there, but I, I feel <laughs> There's like no certified answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it's just kind of we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. I think they're they're committed to playing golf for the rest of the season. So if there are any Lions fans, you know, listening, I'm sorry, I don't think Jared Goff is ever going to get pulled this year. Um, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I think they'll make a, a really tough judgment at the end of the year. And, and you know, if, if they're at that number one pick, I'm 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 looking at Kayvon right now instead of a quarterback. But um you know they they also have a second Rams pick and a, and a couple first round picks next year. So there's a chance that they if there is a guy maybe they they take a defensive player one overall and jump back in to the uh, the top ten and, and get a quarterback. But at this point, I think anything's on the table. Yeah, and and when you've got that much trade capital, it gives you a little bit of flexibility too. So that's right. uh, that's certainly something that's that's in their favor. Um, let's let's flip the field and let's talk about the Eagles offense a little bit and. I know that Detroit has has some injuries, like we mentioned. Um, I think yeah, there's some some issues in the in, with your cornerbacks as, as, this week as well. I know yeah. um, uh, Campbell said that um, uh, AJ Parker and uh, undrafted rookie Jerry Jacobs uh, could miss some time. They could miss this week, and um, you know there's I, I know Detroit's pass rush has kind of struggled a little bit. The Eagles' offensive line. Uh, let's let I mean I it's both of these teams have so many holes. There's, there's so many different things. It, it's, it's kind of weakness on weakness in a, right. in a lot of ways with, with some of this stuff. But let me just get your initial thoughts on Jalen Hurts because one of the conundrums that we have in Philadelphia here is really trying to gauge and assess what Jalen Hurts is because because the play calling has been so vanilla, because they haven't been able to form any kind of an identity I don't see a lot in Jalen Hurts that I really like a whole lot. I, I I don't see a whole lot to really build on other than the intangibles of, of being a franchise quarterback. I see a really good backup quarterback in him, but I'm not sure I see I see the starter. But I also don't know that I can make that judgment because I don't feel like I've seen him in a workable offense just yet. So as an outsider, what's your take on, on Jalen Hurts and what you've seen from him so far in an admittedly very brief NFL career? Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm not going to be able to give a clear answer here because everything is going to be filtered through everything BLG told me. <laughs> and, and he doesn't seem to be a very big fan. Uh, I, I have yeah. to admit I haven't watched a ton of Jalen Hurts. But, you know, it, it's definitely kitschy to to have a, a mobile quarterback. And, and, you know, as the leading rusher, it's it's nice to have 
that that kind of dual attack. Um, but you got to use him that way. That's the thing, right. here, Jeremy. It's like you you got if you're going to have a mobile quarterback, then you've got to use him in a system like Baltimore does with with. And he's not nearly as good as as sure. as, as Lamar, you know sure. as yeah. But I mean, it's you, you at least you need to make that a major part of your offense, and it just isn't. Right, and yeah, and that's that's a sense I certainly get from BLG. Is they're just they're just not using him in the ways that they should be. They they have a good receiving core. They're not throwing it downfield. They have a good running tech. They're what like twenty seventh in rushing attempts this year. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, yeah, I, I I get it. It, it kind of feels like the same situation for different reasons where you're not really getting a great assessment of your quarterback because something. And in, in Lions mm-hmm. case, it's bad receivers, and in the Eagles case, it's bad play calling or, or bad game planning. So yeah, I, I guess I guess. My my opinion, and, and again, very limited film watching, is just it, it, it's hard to get a read on him. And maybe maybe hopefully something changes for you guys over the last half of the season where you can get a, a fair assessment of him. But, you know, all I have to kind of work on is, is a game or two of tape and, and a pretty good PFF grade. But, um, you know, who knows what <laughs> yeah. that means? Yeah, and those uh, you, you never really know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and so um, so looking at this uh, Lions uh, defensive front, um, is this a, is this a unit that an Eagles offensive line with uh, Lane Johnson back in it now at right tackle? Jordan Mailata had a really rough week at, at left tackle um, uh, last week, but um, I, I think overall he's played really well. And Jason Kelsey, I think, is a future Hall of Famer and still yep. doing it at, at yep. the center position. But how do they match up against this Detroit Lions uh, uh, front seven? Well, you know, the the Lions front seven is, is missing a couple key pieces. Romeo Quar was coming into his own this year. He had 10 sacks last year and, and was looking like he was going to, you know, top that this year. But towards Achilles in, in week two, I want to say. So they're missing him a lot. Trey Flowers is, is just kind of a solid guy, not a guy that you really need to game plan for necessarily. Um, he's also dealing with, with a knee injury for the past few weeks, which has slowed him down a bit. But it's really all about youth. Like this entire defense is really all about youth. You know, Ali McNeil. I'm, I'm sure you remember him from the draft and the video where mm-hmm. the the Eagles really wanted to draft him yes. and then didn't. Yeah. Uh, they traded down and missed out on him. Went with Milton Williams and who has we have not heard from at all so far this season. Right, yeah. and uh, Aleem has started every game this season. He's he's mm-hmm. their starting nose tackle, and I think that's a, a fascinating matchup with him and Kels. Yeah, um, Aleem's not tearing things apart, but he's kind of showing those flashes of you know he's mostly been a run defender but now he's starting to flash that pass rush that you don't get from a lot of nose tackles and uh you know i i you know i i definitely think that that still tips the scales in, in kelsey's favor but um definitely a, a cool matchup to watch there levi owns um, another rookie that they took right before lee mcneil in the second round he's starting to get more and more playing time and then you got some veterans there that that have been showing them the ropes and i think the lines are going to kind of slowly phase them out in michael brockers nick williams all these guys are just kind of okay right now. No one's mm-hmm. no one's great, um, but they're they're playing at an acceptable level, and and so um, I think you're starting to see the passing of the torch. And once those rookies re- really get into their own, I think that's where the optimism is for the future. But right now, I would say this is maybe an average, maybe even slightly below average unit. Um, you mentioned that they're kind of struggling to get to the quarterback. I think pressure rate is about twenties, high twenties mm-hmm. maybe. Okay. Um, but the Lions do like to blitz a lot, especially if they can get into obvious passing downs. So. Um, that's kind of how they generate pressure. They're not afraid to send defensive backs. They're not afraid to send um, their linebackers. Again, very young at the linebacker level as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's it's an improving unit, but the the youth there I think makes them a little vulnerable on Sundays. Yeah, and I think too I, one of the areas that I think the Eagles really have uh, an advantage. It's one of the few times they've had an advantage. I, th- I think the I think the Eagles' wide receiving core 
should yeah. have uh, a good matchup this week against uh, against a, a battered and beat up Detroit Lions secondary. I and mean, you guys, I know, are out a number of different guys. And I, I, Devontae Smith has has not been the impact player we we had been expecting. He's had a couple of good games, but he has not impacted the games like we had like we had thought. And again, it's hard to know: is that Jalen Hurts? Is that Nick Sirianni's offense? But this feels like a game where where Devontae Smith could could have a big game and mm-hmm. Quez Watkins could have a couple of splash plays on the outside. Their two their two speed guys could 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 actually make an impact here in this football game. I, I feel like if the Eagles are gonna win, if they're gonna score some points, it's gonna be by getting those two guys involved pretty prominently in this thing. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm at too. You mentioned those two cornerbacks earlier, Jerry Jacobs and, and AJ Parker. Um, two undrafted rookies, mind you, that, that are starters at this point in their in, in the Lions season because mm-hmm. they've had so many injuries at the position. And those two might be out this week. Um, it sounds like uh, Jerry Jacobs at least is going to play, and he's actually been you know fighting his his, his tail off. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been playing. I, I don't want to say really really well, but like the the confidence this coaching staff has in him. They had him, uh, an undrafted rookie, going up uh, against oh god the the Bengals Chase Jamar Chase oh Jamar Chase yeah he, yeah he shadowed Jamar Chase the entire game wow. and almost <laughs> held him score or, you know catchless in an entire half and then you know Chase as as he's wont to do breaks He'll off do two big thing. plays yeah <laughs> um, but but really it was just those two plays the entire game and and granted you know forty plus yard plays makes him look pretty bad in the in the long run but he's fighting tooth and nail so. Um, He's an interesting guy to watch, but I think that's the thing. It's like there are going to be these rookie lapses where they're going to give one big play up. There, there's been so many miscommunications uh, in that secondary because of the youth, because of the lack of chemistry, because they seem to be starting a new corner every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think there's an opportunity there. If the Lions just line up and, and go at it, I think they're better than maybe what they look like statistically because I know they're like last in passer rating, last in yards per attempt. But, um, you know – I just have so much faith in the coaching staff. Aaron Glenn has head coaching, uh, you know, future written all over him. Uh, Aubrey Pleasant, the, the defensive backs coach, is also very good. So he's got all these really, really young players playing way, way above the level they, they should be. But at the same time, undrafted rookies, very mistake prone. So um, I, I do think it's it's a pretty big mismatch there for the Eagles. But again, based on everything I'm hearing, the Eagles just need to throw it downfield and the coaches aren't letting them or, or whatever's happening there. So, uh, you know, coaching, again, could could play a pretty big factor in that matchup. Well, and it's really startling, too, if you look at kind of the, the heat maps of where Jalen Hurts distributes the ball, everything is going to one spot on the field. Like, everything's yeah. going to the right-hand side. Nothing, there, there's nothing deep over the middle. I mean, it, he's just, he's a very limited quarterback in what he can do, and, and Nick Sirianni has not figured out a way to scheme him up in such a way that it can take advantage of uh, some some of the guys that they actually have, uh, some of the playmakers they actually have on the, on the roster. I, I would ask you about the Eagles running backs against, you know, your run defense, but the Eagles don't understand about running the football. <laughs> Miles Sanders is on the IR for a few weeks, and no one's going to notice because <laughs> he doesn't get any playing time anyway. <laughs> um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see what the uh, uh, how they d- uh, distribute the ball between Jordan Howard, who got a lot of action with the ones this week. I think you're going to see Jordan Howard yeah. Heaven help me is the lead back and uh, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott are going to be kind of the guys out of the backfield, the, the second and third guys. It's going to be a mix. Uh, and that's what the Eagles uh, typically uh, tend to do there. I, last thing for you. And I do want to kind of just talk a, a little bit um, about the new head coach, because he, he is a guy that is, you know, that I think Campbell really has. He and Nick Sirianni, both rookie head coaches, but one guy feels like he's more in control, even though he hasn't won a game yet, than the other guy. 
so just what is your general impression of the guy? You talked about him a little bit at the very start of the interview, but Dan Campbell as a as a football coach, I know emotion. You know, he seems to have like the the, the locker room, and you know, you see the emotion in the news conferences. But how's he done as a as a football coach? Like on the field, the 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 quality of play from the Lions so far this year. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think I think his best quality is leadership. No, no question about it. And and it's all that stuff. It's the press conferences. Mm-hmm. It's it's the, you know, being a player's coach. It's the, um, the brutally honest nature of him in general. Like he, he will talk to the media very candidly and you have to imagine that that rolls down to players and things like that. And, and for the most part, you see players appreciate that sort of thing. Not, not everyone, like some, some you need to coddle a little bit, but sure. Um, I think, I think he realized that. And I think, I think he's the best leader that this team has had in a very, very long time. Now, you you asked a different question, though. You asked how, how is he as a football coach, and that that's a very different question because that involves stuff like time management and mm-hmm. and fourth down and, and play calling and um, getting the best out of your players. And I, I do think he's doing most of those things well. I do worry a little bit that sometimes, since he is such an emotional guy, that he rides a wave of emotion sometime when he's making play calls or when mm-hmm. he's deciding to go for it on fourth down or um or or, or things like that and listen like i'm i'm the kind of guy that's like always go with the analytics always like almost always go for it on fourth and one do the whole you know when you're down eight go for two and and things like that and and for the most part he is pleased that side of my mind like this has been a very aggressive team when it comes to fourth downs when it comes to trick plays last week they they throw three (laughs) trick plays at the rams because they know like this team is going to beat our butts if we don't throw everything at them I respect that. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah. I do too. I love that. It, and it makes for a highly entertaining game. Even if I wasn't a fan, like I would just enjoy watching that game. That was a fun football game to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I appreciate that. The The question then becomes for me, is is all of that out of desperation or is that who he is? So it, when this team, if this team ever turns it around and is, you know, a, a 500 ball club or, or, you know, maybe fighting for a division title, are they going to keep that aggressiveness or are they just doing it now? Because that's the only way they're going to stay in games. Either way, like I'm, I appreciate it right now, and I think he is getting the best out of his players and putting them in the best position to win. Um, but I, I do kind of worry. Like sometimes he's just like, like the Lions have gone for it on fourth down, and they they do that thing where they just like they they come short on third down and they immediately line up and run a play right away, mm-hmm, and it, yeah. it feels like that was those are a little bit out of emotion, and the the team just they're better when they they stop and think about it a little bit. Both those times they failed to convert, including last week, and so. Um, you know, there, there is a concern that maybe he just gets a little too emotional in the game, but everything else, I think he's really checking all the marks and it's why he still remains so popular in Detroit, you know, a, a fan base that has absolutely no reason to be patient at all. They are no. showing a tremendous amount of patience for an 0-7 team for a head coach who's, you know, hasn't really proven anything yet. So, um, I, I think, I think the, all those reasons I just said are, are the reasons why he's, He's still one of the most popular Lions coaches in, in NFL history. Well, let's talk about what's going to happen here on Sunday afternoon. It's prediction time. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, as I said, down on my football team. So I'm, <laughs> I'll make a prediction here um, a, a, after we're done speaking as I, as I sign off. That's typically how I do it. But I uh, want to get your thoughts on the game on Sunday afternoon. Do the, do the Detroit Lions get their first win at the expense of my Philadelphia Eagles? I... I came into this week expecting me to say yes, expecting me to say this is it. The Lions are going to go into the bye finally with the win. The Eagles 
are not only not playing well, but they actually, you know, there are some good matchup points. Like we mentioned, the, the, the passing over the middle with, with Hawkinson and Swift could be a, a nice little mismatch for them. I think the Eagles' biggest strength is their running game, and I think maybe the Lions' biggest strength is, is stopping the run. Um, so I, I think that matches matches up well with the Lions. But I just I look at the roster up and down. I look at some of the numbers and everything. I mean, this this is still a, a much more talented roster on the Eagles' side than it is the Lions' side. And to me, that that wins over everything. And I know I know coaching seems to be something that that's highly in the Lions' favor, and I would probably agree with that. But it, that sort of thing is just so hard for me to to quantify. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I tend to be more of an analytical guy. And when when you throw in the intangibles, I just like, yeah. But you know, maybe maybe Fletcher Cox yelling at the defensive coordinator lights a fire under him this week, right? Sure. Maybe maybe all the negative attention gets them to make some changes this week. And so it feels like like I mentioned at the top, it feels like a get right game for the Eagles. So I'm I got the Eagles in this one, twenty to sixteen. Yeah, I'm still. I, I said on Twitter earlier this week, guaranteeing a, a, an Eagles loss in this one, and I, I'm feeling not as confident about that for for a lot of the reasons you just said. But I, I think, um, I, I think this could be a tough game to watch for everybody. It's not going to be pretty football. Um, the, these offenses really, really do struggle uh, to to move the football um, in in any kind of exciting way. But maybe, maybe we'll see some trick plays from 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 <laughs> Mr. Campbell this week, and and that could make things a little bit more interesting. Listen, folks, um, check out uh, for, make. Sure Sure you check out the pride of detroit.com that's the uh, the lions sb nation site so you can get an inside look on everything going there uh with the lions and uh make sure you're reading everything jeremy reisman is writing for them listen to the first bite podcast and follow him on twitter at detroit on lion hey jeremy thanks for coming on eye on the enemy man i appreciate it no problem john thanks for having me all right well time for my prediction and as jeremy was talking there i was starting to feel a little bit differently about uh, about this weekend and as i was looking at the the lions roster i was starting to feel differently about it. because earlier in the week i did I, I, I guarantee I all but guaranteed it. I said it feels like a guarantee that the Lions are going to beat the Eagles this weekend because I, I could not be more down on this football team right now. I just I just couldn't be. I, I, I feel I feel despondent about the, the coaching staff. I don't feel like they know what they're doing. They they absolutely seem over their head. And I honestly think Jonathan Gannon might be in over his head more than Nick Sirianni. I liked, I made a couple of jokes with Nick Sirianni this week about the, the watering the flowers and all that kind of thing. And I, I, it's just, you don't hear that kind of stuff from a, from a football coach. And so, yes, I, I did fall into the trap of, of making a couple of jokes here and there. And it was just, it was all in good fun, but you know, you got to try and rally the troops somehow. And, and I'm sure that, I, mean, I hope the message resonated with the players when when he was speaking to them. But er, er, just everything, every time I hear Nick Sirianni speak, every time I see him on the sidelines, he looks overmatched. He just doesn't look ready for prime time. And Jonathan Gannon's the same way. And I think part of the problem is that other than Jeff Stoutland, there's really no one with any experience on this coaching staff. And you have a quarterback that simply doesn't throw the ball very well. I, I hate to put it in in that simple a term but Jalen Hurts accuracy is not good and it's like having a major league pitcher who can't throw strikes you've got to be able to put the ball where your receivers can get to it and Jalen Hurts has just consistently not done that but he's also handcuffed by an offense with no creativity they don't put anybody in motion there's they're they're not giving Jalen Hurts any cheats at all to try and help him out here so it's just bad all around and I don't see I know the Eagles have won two games this year. They were phenomenal against the Falcons in the opening week when Nick Sirianni had two months to plan for that game. And then they beat the Carolina Panthers in a, in a game that was relatively convincing. 
against a, a Panthers team that is clearly falling apart against Sam Darnold, a very bad quarterback. And Jared Goff is a bad quarterback, as, as we talked about. So yes, Jonathan Gannon's defense has shown that they can shut down bad quarterbacks and force them into mistakes. And, and that is what presents themselves to the Eagles this weekend. And I do feel like the Eagles have a big matchup advantage with the wide receivers on their cornerbacks. I think that is a matchup this week that the Eagles will exploit. I do think that Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins could have big games on the outside. And I do think that maybe some of the criticism has lit a fire under Sirianni and Gannon. Maybe it's going to change their ways a little bit, help them to think outside the box. But we thought that last year with, with Doug Peterson. And sometimes coaches are just not able to do that. They're not able to turn things around. They're not able to change things on the fly, especially with a bunch of first-year head coaches and, and, and head coach and coaches. And I, I, I said coming into the year that we needed to be patient with this coaching staff, that they were going to have growing pains, but I wasn't expecting them to be this bad. I really was not expecting them to look this terrible. There's been nothing inventive. There's been nothing creative. Nothing builds on itself. Everything is vanilla, offense and defense. It, it's as if the Eagles are playing preseason games they're going out there with schemes that you would that you would only see in the pro bowl you know and so that's that's why i am most disturbed about what i see and so on paper this eagles team should beat the lions this is a better football team the eagles are a better football team than the detroit lions i'm not picking the eagles to win this week i'm gonna pick the detroit lions because i do feel like the lions are due to they're better than 0 and 8 like this is not a team that should be 0 and 7. They've played they've played pretty well this year in in a lot of their games. So I don't feel like the Eagles are so good that they can just roll into Detroit and beat a winless Lions team. And the Eagles have had their issues playing in Detroit over the years. They've won some games there, but oftentimes oftentimes the Lions figure out a way to take care of business in their home stadium against the Birds. And those are different teams and those are different years and different players and all that. I I get that. But this feels to me like a game that the Eagles should win on paper, and they won't. It feels like a low-scoring affair to me. I think I, I like that 20-16 to 16 prediction. I'll change mine up a little bit. I'll say 21-17. to 17. Uh, I think the Lions win this thing. Uh, I think it's close. I think this is an ugly football game, guys. I think it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of plays between the 30s for both of these teams. And I think you're going to see both these teams have trouble getting it past those points. I think you're going to see a lot of mistakes. Uh, we're going to see um, Jordan Howard's going to probably get 15, 15 carries, and we're going to pull our hair out wondering why didn't Miles Sanders get these kinds of carries in previous weeks. And I, until I see another coherent game plan from Nick Sirianni like we saw in week one, I just can't pick the Eagles. I just can't. I can't pick them to win against against a, a group of players in Detroit that want a win badly for their coach. They they seem like they want to they would, you know, cut off a digit <laughs> to to win a game for their head coach. So uh, I'm not optimistic. I'm not picking the Eagles. I'm gonna pick the Lions to win this game, 21 to 17. And and hey, Eagles, prove me wrong. Show me show me something this weekend against uh, against a a Detroit Lions team that has not won this year. Show me you can beat a winless team. And I'll start, uh, I'll, I'll start to feel a little differently about things. But that is where things stand as the birds get ready to play the Detroit Lions this Sunday afternoon in Detroit. And, folks, that will do it for this episode of Eye on the Enemy. And just a reminder to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every single day for all the latest news, notes, rumors, and everything else about your Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, check out all of our other fantastic podcasts on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Again, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Tell your friends about us. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks 
everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. PGN. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.